0: We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: Let's have a little bit of, of laughing, maybe, as we get into our time together this morning. Uh, 1913 is the uh, date on this book, and I had the author written down uh, in my written notes, but obviously I did not put it in my, uh, in my printed out notes here. Um, but this lady back in 1913 wrote a book. Um, I'm not really fond of the name of the book, "Don't Don'ts for Husbands. At first, I thought it said Donuts for Husbands. It's really what I hoped the book was about, uh, but it's not. Uh, really and truly, the book's about how to be a good, kind husband. And I'll read you some of the things that she writes. Uh, some of these things have a little bit of age to them. You can tell some of them maybe are a little more relevant. Of course, wives, you may think that they're just relevant across the board. Uh, here's the first one that I wrote down. Don't now, husbands, this is for you, for us, okay? Don't insist on having the last word. Ladies, is that, is that good advice to husbands? Don't insist on having the last word. Don't belittle your wife in front of visitors. Don't tell your wife how you find another woman charming. This one I didn't really understand. Don't sharpen your pencil in the house as you walk about. Don't expect happiness if you married for money. Don't forget to buy your wife a pair of gloves. Don't be so conceited about your own looks. You might be the only one that sees you that way. Here's one. Don't hang about the house all day. She is fine without you and would like to be free from you for a time. Men, this really does kind of wrap it up for us here. Don't expect to understand every detail of your wife's mind. It's useless to try to figure out her why. There you go. Some don'ts for husbands. But like I said, what's what's the point of this particular book, of these writings? Really and truly, it's about how to be kind to your spouse. And that word kind or kindness is really where we're going to jump into today and talk about kindness from a biblical perspective, from a perspective in our story of the book of Ruth, where we see see kindness from Boaz just shown in an amazing way. But sometimes when we think about this idea of kindness, we think about maybe kindness as an easy topic, right? As maybe a kid's topic. We teach our kids to be kind, right? That's one of the things that we want to make sure our kids understand, how to be nice and kind. But as we kind of get into this story today, get a little bit further into our story, and look at some other things in Scripture, we're going to see that kindness is not just a kid's issue, it's a Christian issue, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, when we talk about words that we see in this particular book, themes that we see, redeem, uh, faith, which we talked about last week, and the word grace, which is also shown through kindness, <laughs> through kindness. Um, from Boaz and from a lot of other different people and a lot of other different ways. And we'll talk about those as we get to them. Uh, but just, to just kind of remember kind of where we've been. We talked about faithfulness last week and the idea that faithfulness will bring blessings that can't be had any other way. Okay, if I commit to something for the long haul, I'm going to get blessings as I get deeper and deeper into that relationship that are going to be greater than the surface level blessings that I get at the beginning. And that's true with everything in life. We went to this kind of idea last week that Jesus or God says that if we're faithful, this is our relationship with Him. When you're in over your head, He says, I will be there. When you're in rough waters, I will be with you. When you are between a rock and a hard place, I will what? be with you. Why? Why will he be with you? He says, because I am your God. So faithfulness to our God is such a powerful thing. But today, as we look at this particular passage and this particular section of scriptures, we see this word. The Lord blessed him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, he has not stopped showing us what? Kindness to the living and to the dead. So let's open up our Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, Ruth chapter 2, and we'll read through some of this together, make some general observations, kind of teach just for a moment about some things, and then we're going to dig in and and, and figure out what this means for us. So we start uh, in verse 10. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have you found such favor, or why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? A foreigner. Now, remember where we are. Remember what's going on. That. Uh Ruth has been gleaning in Boaz's field, and he's saying, hey, look, you uh, you just stay here. I'm going to take care of you when it's time for break. You go over uh, and you drink from the water where my guys are. You're not going to have to bring in your own water. He tells the guys, hey, don't, don't touch her. Don't mistreat her. Take care of her. So he has shown her all of this kindness, and she's saying, hey, why have you shown me this? And we were talking about titles last week and things that I guess it was Sunday night that we were talking about this. And even in this particular passage, what does Ruth refer to herself as? A what? Foreigner. She is so aware that she doesn't belong here. And she points that out here. Boaz replied, I have uh, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz ordered his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and, the amount, and it amounted to about an ephah. So this is roughly, once she gathers it, once she uh, separates it all out, she's got a little more than a five-gallon bucket of, ro- of, of grain that she's fixing to take home, which amounts to about 60 meals worth of grain for two people, 60 meals. So we've gone from empty, And alone, and don't know where you know where our next meal may come from, kind of idea. We don't know who's going to take care of us. To now, we're beginning to see God's blessings, and God's blessings not just coming a little bit, but they're coming in in an abundant way. She carried it back to her mother in law, and uh, I'm sorry, she carried it back to town, and her mother in law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also. Uh, brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had uh, eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. Uh, Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. She added, this man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. And let's stop right there. For those of you that don't know, let's let's catch you up with what this guardian redeemer is. So as we mentioned kind of last week, there's no really program in place by the government like we do have, like we have now to take care of people uh, that may find themselves in a challenging situation like Ruth and Naomi. It's really worked into the law. It's worked into God's plan. He has provisions to take care of his people from the gleaning. uh, We see that how... You know, we mentioned how in the law it said when you start to uh, to, to harvest your field, you leave the corners for those who are poor or without to come in and harvest those areas. And then if you drop something off of your stack, you don't bend over and pick it up. You leave it there. And you see that with Boaz. Boaz tells his men, as you're working, if you drop something, leave it there. And even what take some out and lay it down for her to pick up. So he's providing under the law in a way. For her. But then there's this idea of a guardian redeemer. Basically, here's the concept: family takes care of family. All right, family takes care of family. So you have Ruth and Naomi. Their husbands have died. Now they come back home, and it is the responsibility of basically the next kin man to take over uh, their lives, if you will, to protect them, to bring them in, and treat them as family. So and so so say in my particular life, okay, say something happens to my brother. It would be my responsibility to then take my sister-in-law and his four children and bring them in and take care of them. And, and sometimes we kind, of, we kind of add in a little thing here and there. We think that it's about marriage and this and that. And it's not always in these moments about marrying the person that you're bringing in, although we do see later on in the story... Um, that Ruth and, and Boaz do end up marrying, it's not just about marriage, okay, um, because it's, it's more about taking care of each other. It's more about, like I said, family takes care of family. And what we see going on here um, is that, and, and we're going to talk about it more here in a minute, but now Naomi realizes, hey, this could be the guy. This could be the guy that takes care of us. And you see in this text, Naomi's Naomi's mind, her thoughts, they're turning more positive, right? Then Ruth, the Moabite, said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finished harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who uh, work for him because... Uh, in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Boaz, I'm sorry, so Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and the wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So, I forgot to take those holding splots out. The first thing that jumps out to me in this particular passage is the attitude of Naomi. We're seeing blessings, right, in their life. Their life has gone from challenge to, to to, to disheartment, to all these things, to now there's blessings rolling back around. And this was her idea last week. Remember, we talked about this last week. God took me away full, and he brought me back empty. That was Naomi's view in life. Everything was great and grand, and then God took it all away from me. And I've come home, and I'm just this empty vessel of, of what I used to be. And I believe what we're beginning to see, what we're beginning to see take place is what she's realizing maybe is God filled me, and then I left. I became empty, and when I came back to God, He started filling me back up. And I think that's such an important thing for us to remember in our life. It's all about understanding how God works with us. That when we are with God, when we're in God, when we're with our family, when we're with our church, and we're living in the way that God wants us to live, He is going to fill us up. He's going to take care of us. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to take care of us. He's going to bless us. When we turn our back and walk away, We walk away full, right? We walk away full. It's like pushing away from the table after we've eaten way too much. And how long are you full? For some of us, it's maybe not as long as for others. But you're full for a while. And then you start to empty until you go back and what? Eat again. But Naomi's idea was, I was full here and I left and God took it away. But in reality, I was full because I was here and I'm empty because I left. When we leave and walk away and we find that emptiness in our life, it's not God that calls that emptiness. Who calls us the emptiness? We do because we left. And now she's back home. She's with her family. She's with her God. She's in the promised land. And what's God doing once again? He's blessing her and filling her life back up. And to me, that is shown through kindness, Ruth is kind to Naomi, Boaz is supposed to be kind to Ruth, and God is kind to them all. So what does that tell us? Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. So like we said, kindness is not just an idea. Kindness is not just an idea that it's like a kid thing. Kindness is one of the main characteristics of God. Let's look at some things. Psalms 36 and verse 7, How priceless is your unfailing love? Oh God, people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Some translations there say loving kindness. Not just unfailing love, your loving kindness. Uh, Psalm 117 verse 2. For great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. There again, verse 2 can be translated loving kindness towards us. Let's get into some New Testament here. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace. How does He show the incomparable riches of His grace? Expressed in His what? Kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Colossians. I believe I may have just put the whole book of Colossians in there. You don't want me to read it? Probably not, right? Paul talks about in the book of Colossians, chapter 3 and verse 12. Go ahead and go to the next, flip through to the next slide there. How his kindness was shown to us through the death of Jesus. Now, when we think about this Ephesians passage and this Colossians passage, the actual act of death may not seem very kind, right? The act of death may not seem very kind, but the reasoning behind the death of Jesus was because of love that God had for us. We're going to go to the slide, what kindness isn't, if you can find it. What kindness isn't. So what is kindness not? What, what kindness, uh, what is, what we maybe see as kindness, but really is not. The first thing, and we've kind of talked about this, is soft, all right? Kindness is not soft, it's not kid teaching, and it's not anti-manly, all right? The second thing is this, it's not just being polite, it's not just being polite. The, the original word for polite that, that we can trace back for a while uh, literally means to not cause a fight. It just means to get along. Now, can I get along with somebody but not necessarily be kind to them? Yeah, absolutely. But I think sometimes we think that being polite is the same thing as being kind. It's really not. It's just saying, I'm not going to live in conflict with you. That's what polite means. But it doesn't mean I'm going to be nice to you. It doesn't mean I'm going to be kind to you. And then I think for us, and this is a very true one right here, kindness is not Southern charm. Kindness is not just Southern charm. You know, we have this ability in the South to talk about something without really talking about it, right? We can talk all the way around a particular subject. We can talk all the way around um, something negative about somebody without ever really saying anything that sounds negative. And we usually preface it or end it with one particular phrase. You know what that phrase is? Bless his heart. You know, when you say bless his heart, it's really probably not kindness you're showing. It's just kind of some Southern charm. We're really good with the Southern charm things of doing things. You know, maybe, maybe we look at Wiley and go, Wiley, have you always dressed that way? What does that really mean? Wiley, I don't like what you have on today. But we say it in a way that's maybe a little nicer, a little softer, a little, a little more polite. But it's not these things kindness or grace in the book of Ruth is this, a willingness to express your love in a bold and unashamed way. In a bold and unashamed way, okay? It's, it's for us to have love. Follow me here. We, we read this passage from 1 Corinthians 13 a little while ago, love. Love is not just a feeling, Correct. Love is not just a feeling. If I say all day long that I love you, and I just keep it right here, right here inside of me, do I really love you? How do you know that I love you? If I say, hey, I love you, how do you know that I love you? Because I say that I love you, or because I act as if I love you? Which one? How many of you just aren't voting this morning? Some of you just aren't voting this morning. That's all right. That's fine. I look at it a couple. There's a couple of things that I put together here. Um, I think of the, I think of uh, thankfulness and gratitude. I can be grateful for a lot of things, but I show people I'm grateful by doing acts of thankfulness for those things. And love and kindness is the same way. That if I love somebody, if I love God, if I love you, I show that love, I express that love through kindness, which goes to show that kindness is such a big deal. It's such a thing that we need to be living in our life in so many ways. The New Testament talks about it uh, in in powerful ways and in many strong, many strong words. Uh, In Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, it says, but when the kindness and love of our God, uh, of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of Not just things that we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. It's all grounded in kindness. Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as Christ God forgave you. We should clothe ourselves in kindness. So how do we do that? How do we live this command of kindness? Kindness is not a strong suggestion. All right? Kindness is not a strong suggestion. It is a command from God that we show each other, that we love each other, and we do that through kindness. So how do we live that? So the first thing I want us to think about is, become a world-class listener. Become a world-class listener. What's the biblical concept here that we think about? James 1 verse 19. "My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to. Say it louder. Be quick to, y'all are just all being slow to speak, and that's okay. Be slow to speak and slow to become angry. When I do marriage or pre-marriage counseling, we have a whole session on communication. We have a whole session on communication. And the interesting thing about communication is communication is not just talking and listening. It's talking and what? Hearing can listen to all. Do you ever, there is one restaurant that sometimes drives me up the wall, and it's not because of the food, it's not because of the service, but to me it is the absolute loudest restaurant in all of creation, and it's Cracker Barrel. Have you ever just sat in Cracker Barrel and just listened at the clanking, the talking, the noise Just the ambient noise that's in Cracker Barrel. Now, noise doesn't bother me. I have four kids. Tanner, right? Hood's over here? Just general noise. If it's quiet, it's when I'm kind of like, something's wrong. That's when you find a kid under the table with fingernail polish, painting the floor, not their fingernails, or the dresser, or that's when you have a kid cutting their hair and all this stuff. You know, quietness is, is weird at my house. Um... You can be in a room and you can listen to a lot of things going on, but not really hear anything. And that's what happens in Cracker Barrel. If you just sit there and and, and listen, you will listen to a lot of things without really being able to just key in and hear anything. And if we're not careful, we do that in our conversation with each other. But one way that I show kindness to you is that I look at you and I am a world-class listener. I hear you. I let you know that your words are important to me. Your heart is important to me. That's where your words come from. It's from your heart. Listen, with my, with my ADHD, sometimes I will admit it's hard for me to let people finish sentences because my words just want to jump out of my mouth. All right. Like I, just, I just, I can kind of figure out, if I think I can figure out how you're fixing to end your conversation or your sentence. I'm just going to stop it. And I'm just going to say what I want to say. I've got a good friend. He's ADHD with me. Our conversation as well. Our conversations are real interesting because neither of us ever fin- finish a sentence. Never. Neither of us ever finish a sentence with each other. We always talk over top of each other. And it's, Probably a really confusing conversation to whoever's listening to maybe just one side of the phone call. But we need to learn to hear each other. And I think about this in our homes and with our children, maybe more than anything, because I believe as an adult and as a parent, sometimes we think the words of our children are not that important because we're smarter than them, older than them, more experienced than them. But as they are learning, as they as they are experiencing, it's so important for us as parents to be listeners and hearers, to let them express, to let them talk, even though it may be the, the, the dumbest thing that they could say, the strangest thing they could say. Validate them by hearing them. Such an important thing for us in our walk with God. Here's the next thing. Be known as an encourager. Not just encourage, but be known as an encourager. How many of you know people that are just they're just encouraging people? Just they're always in a good mood, no matter what's going on. They got something good and something great to say, and they're just they're gonna build you up. He says, be known as an encourager. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. Therefore, what? Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you were doing. He doesn't say some of you do this, the ones of you that are good at it do it. Who does he tell? Everyone needs to be doing this. Everyone. So, if you have a moment where, where you decide I'm going to be negative about this, you need to stop and go. Wait, no. God says for me to be an encourager in this. You can approach situations and issues, something you don't agree with, maybe something that's going on that you think's wrong or whatever. You can go into that moment and disagree and still be encouraging, right? You can. You can deal with negative things in an encouraging way. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, be known as an encourager. This, this is a, a passage that I really looked at and thought a lot about this week. Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of the talents. If you know the parable of the talents, or if you don't know it, master comes in and he says, hey, look, I'm going away. I'm giving you this, you this, and you this. Go and, and, and prosper with it, basically, right? So he comes back, and the one that had gotten five talents, he, he he grows it. The one with three talents grows it. The one that had the fewest amount of talents, he was scared. He hid it. And... Away it goes, all right? So this is uh, part of the conversation once he comes back. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Is that not an encouraging phrase? That's a very encouraging phrase. What if it was this? Well done, good and faithful servant. well done, good and faithful servant. What if this guy had worked so hard while his master was gone, had doubled his money, had done everything that he asked him to do, and he comes back and he says, hey, thanks, good job. What's the servant's response? All that worked for nothing, right? All that that worked for nothing? I'm not going to do that again. I'm never going to give him my max effort. Instead, what does he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Being encouraging is not just words; it's actions, and we have to be encouraging people. Let's let's keep rolling. We're, we're running close to time here. Be you know an encourager. Express compassion. Express compassion, men. Raise your hand if this may be a hard one for you, to be compassionate. This is, this is, this is one of those things that like, okay, it's, this, is, this is our ladies, this is your trait, not our trait, okay? Which is why the lady had to write a book called Men Don't Do This or Things That We Shouldn't Do as Husbands because we struggle with this. Express compassion. Four times in the Bible, if the Bible tells us, if the New Testament tells us to do something four times, how many of you think we should do it? Okay, good. You know what the Bible tells us to do four different times? Greet each other with a holy kiss. All of you that raised your hand, tonight when you get here, I expect to see holy kisses. I'm going to tell you, if you're not used to holy kisses and you show up somewhere that they express with kisses, it's, it's a little bit of, of a jar. When we went to Romania, that's how they greet each other. You kiss to the right, kiss to the left, on the cheek, to the, the man to women and women to women. Men don't kiss each other, which I was very thankful. Um, but then if you get confused and if the woman is going in to the right and you go the wrong direction, it's not the cheek that you end up kissing. That happened once. I learned my lesson. Um, but he tells us four different times, greet each other with a holy kiss. Why? Why greet each other with a holy kiss? Because it shows love to one another. Because it shows love to one another. How many people normally kiss people they do not love? Anybody? Anybody just kiss random people you don't love? That show and expression is usually reserved for the people that you what? Love the most or the most comfortable with. And he says we should love each other so much that we express compassion and love to one another in a way that is is just holy. In a way that is holy. We should show compassion to each other so much that when we are together, we feel nothing but at home. We feel nothing but at home with one another. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's not the right passage for that, and I apologize. Express compassion. Here's the last thing. Show, what's that next word? Say it louder. Show joy. Show joy. That's real good, isn't it? Show joy. What does Scripture say? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord when? I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. To me, this goes back to being an encourager. If you're a joyful person, you're going to naturally be an encourager. But sometimes if we're not careful, we, we let a lot of things affect our joy. But he says, no, you live a life of joyfulness every single day. You rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what's going on. He says, I'm going to say it again because it's so important. Rejoice. You should be marked as a joyful person in the world. If you, are not, if you know that people look at you as a grouch and you're a child of God, you've got some work to do. He doesn't say be joyful if you want to. He just says What? be this way. Be a joyful person. That is a way that we show kindness to one another. One of the last things in our book that we mentioned just a moment ago, the lady writes to the husbands, don't be a wet blanket. In many homes, all the lot-hearted laughter and chatter stops as soon as the father's steps at the door is heard. That's an interesting phrase to me because the dad doesn't even know that he's the wet blanket. He has no clue. Don't be that dad. Don't be the type of person that's a wet blanket in all that you do. Ruth was kind to Naomi. Boaz is kind to Ruth. God is kind to them all. So be kind to one another. Our identity and reputation are found in our kindness towards those in our home, our church, and our community. Do you believe that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a story that I read this week, and, and it's a hard story to think about. It happened back in 2000, 2006 in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. A young man by the name of Charles Roberts was involved or planned and executed a school shooting in an Amish community where five little girls lost their life that day. And as news began to get around and phone calls were made, um, Charles's father had to call his mother and share what had happened. And, and as she recounts the story, she talks about how she just laid in the floor and sobbed for hours and hours thinking about her son and how could he have done this and, and, and what possessed him to do this. And this wasn't the son that, he raised, that she raised and that her husband raised. And she says she was still laying on the floor sobbing when she heard outside the sound of hooves, on the pavement, and she heard them getting closer and closer and closer, and in her mind, she was scared to death of what was fixing to happen, because she knew it was the Amish community. That was, that part was obvious. She had no idea what to expect, but then she hears a knock on the door, and as she opens up the door, there's a large group of women at her door, and the lady in the front, who she could tell had been crying, looks at her and, and, and says these words. She said. I heard you lost a son today. I lost two daughters. And she wraps her arms around her and they weep together. Over the coming weeks, there was a bond that was created between the Roberts family and this community that was just powerful. Just powerful because of the kindness and love that the Amish community showed to this mother and father. Later, she would write these words in, in a thank you note that was published in many different places, but originally was to the parents that showed up that night. Says, Your love for our families has, has helped to provide the healing we so desperately need. Gifts you have given have touched, our, have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. Our identity and reputation are found in kindness towards those in our home, our church, and our community. Just like this particular story that has so many negatives, so many sad and and painful elements to it, the part that got the world's attention was not the terror, but the kindness. How in the world could they be so kind to her because of God? That's the kindness that needs to define us as the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. Not only define us, but the love that we show and the kindness that we show into our community so that we can introduce to them a faithful God that redeems us. Let's go and close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the chance to be together today. We thank you for the opportunity to just sing to you, to lift our voices to you, to pray to you, to commune with you through the meal called the Lord's Supper that we've had together this morning. We thank you for the unity that that brings in this room and to our church, to your church as a whole, as we connect with you in that moment. It's so wonderful and powerful, God, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the kindness you showed, the love and the grace that you showed by giving Jesus to us and allowing him to be our sacrifice so that we can live a life of holiness. We pray, God. We just pray for those that are struggling with their life. Maybe they're struggling with direction. They don't know what to fill their life with. Help them to see to to fill their life with you. Help us to fill their life with your loving kindness every single day. Thank you for all that you do for us. As in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and
0: forgiving, ever-blessing, ever-blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember to love love like Jesus.